This is Darrell Lalia, and you're listening to the Before the Millions podcast, episode 196. Legend has it, $5 VAs do not walk this planet. Are you ready to be the master architect of your life? Are you ready to design your business and invest the needs that create the lifestyle you've always dreamt of? Are you ready to learn from entrepreneurs and millionaires who have achieved a certain level of success? Hey, this is Derek, location-independent entrepreneur, and you are listening to the Before the Millions podcast. Hi, I'm Gina Lofton. I am an investor, and you're listening to the Before the Millions podcast. Hey there, my name is Heather Havenwood, marketing coach and global entrepreneur. And you are listening to the Before the Millions podcast. Hey, this is Mark Asquith, the host of the 7 Minute Mentor podcast, global entrepreneur and all round geek. And you are listening to the Before the Millions podcast. I am MC Lobsher, the cash flow ninja, and you're listening to Before the Millions podcast. You're listening to the Before the Millions podcast. But whether you're looking to invest for cash flow or build an online business that allows you to be location independent, you've come to the right place mr hollywood himself presents the before the millions podcast and now your host deray olalaye what is going on good people welcome back to a brand new installment of the before the millions podcast i'm your host deray olalaye and i'm excited for this episode um this episode really really helped me just kind of put things in perspective When it comes to team members, virtual assistants, inside sales agents, the people that you work with, the people that help you in your business, that help you grow your business, right? Because you can't do everything by yourself. And maybe you're doing everything by yourself. And this episode is especially for you. For a long time, I did everything by myself. Now, every once in a while, I would have services and, you know, things of that nature. And in 2018, I hired my first employee. I remember how daunting that was. I was just like, man, like I'm solely responsible for this person's income. And it was just, it was super weird. But I knew that in order to grow my business, in order to do the revenue generating tasks in my business, the things that would pay me five, ten, twenty thousand dollars, I needed to stop doing the five, ten, twenty dollar per hour tasks. And along the way, again, you guys know this part of the journey, but along the way, through that experience, I realized, man, I don't know if I want to have a whole bunch of employees. Similar to the syndication model business you guys know that I started in. I was like, man, I don't know if I want to raise money from all these investors. I don't know if I want to be solely responsible for all of that. Like I in totality look at what my lifestyle and freedom is and why I left the nine to five job in the first place. And there are certain things that I just don't want to do, at least right now in my stage of life today. And things can change. Things always change, right? But through that process, again, I just started hiring more and more virtual assistants. And I started in the Philippines and eventually found a good group of guys in Pakistan. And that's how I really started growing my team. But through that process, man, I would say a good two, two and a half years of of virtual assistants that would be around for a month, two months, three months, and then just either disappear or it wouldn't work out or you know, whatever the case may be, right? I, things were just, oh my goodness, right? Like you would hire and train and pour so much time and effort into somebody. And then all of a sudden you got to do it again. So these are some of the things that Alicia and I were talking about when we decided to create this episode, because I'm sure that I'm not the only person that 
that had to go through this. And I'm, not, I'm sure that some of you are going through this right now. Some of you will go through this in the future. So let's talk about help for your business. Let's talk about the virtual assistant world and how you can begin to delegate the tasks that you should not be doing in your business and when it's time to do that. Because that's another important part of this. We had Alicia on the show back in episode 186. If you haven't checked out that episode, that is over at beforethemillions.com forward slash episode 186. And that's really where we dive into her Before the Millions journey, right? All the deals that she's doing overseas. I mean, she lives in Australia, but all her deals are actually here in the U.S. So she talks about that that dynamic. She talks about how she got into real estate and all that good stuff. So again, if you want to check out Alicia's background, what she's been up to for the past few years, um, check out that episode. On this episode specifically, we're talking about our team, building a team. I think Alicia calls them her customer care or customer service representatives. You know, we had um, Mr. Muniz on the show a few weeks back. He calls them ISAs, inside sales agents. Most people coin them virtual assistants. And ultimately, these individuals are the people who run your business, right? Your business wouldn't function without them. They are the, the, the soul, the backbone of the business. And for some of us over time, it's like they become family. And we got a few more virtual assistant episodes coming up. I mean, when I say the database of episodes waiting to be released is thick, yeah, um, I'm going to put in some work this weekend to make sure that we get a lot of that scheduled. As I'm recording this, today is September 1st, 2021, and I interviewed about mm, 10, 12 real estate millionaires over the past two weeks, not to mention the seven or eight or nine episodes that we have in queue before that. So we got a lot of content coming your way. Stay strapped in. Make sure you're subscribed. If this is your first time tuning in, welcome. This is the Before the Millions podcast. I should have probably said that in the beginning of the show. I hope I did. And this is the podcast where we literally go on the journey and interview highly successful multi-million dollar real estate investors. We deviate from that path sometimes and interview other people in the real estate world. And we deviate from that path sometimes and interview other entrepreneurs. But what's really cool about this podcast is you're, you're a fly on the wall and you get to listen to these highly intelligent conversations with people who have already gotten to the success that we're looking for so that we can start to implement some of these strategies or adopt some of the mindsets that they have. There's no better indicator of success than what you surround yourself with, the people that you surround yourself with. And I consider media, right? TV shows, movies, podcasts, this podcast, I consider these outlets as a part of your environment, right? I mean, as a person, as multiple people. Now, you can hang out with me all week if you wanted to. Just go back in the archives. You now, binging some of your favorite shows, you get to feel like you really, really know the character. And sometimes you'd, you'd finish their sentence before they finish it, right? So when you surround yourself with people who are exactly where you want to go and you're listening to their ideas and their takes on things, you're like, hmm, right? So again, it's, it's just the, the rubbing shoulders effect. So that's what we do every week on the show. And that being said, let's go ahead and get to the tip of the week and let's get to the episode. DeRay's tip of the week. $5 per hour VAs. Is it a myth? Is it a legend? Are they real? I mean, this is 2021, right? Every The price on everything literally has shot up. I go to the same restaurants I went to last year and they're charging two, three dollars more for every single meal like gas. I mean, it's crazy. So 
$5 per hour VAs. I mean, is it possible in today's economy people actually accept that? Is it moral? I mean, that's another question, right? For this tip of the week, I wanted to dive into this topic, obviously, because we're talking all about virtual assistance and and help on our team and things of that nature. But I wanted to make sure that you had clarification on how much it's going to cost you. Okay, because a lot of people, they'll, they'll tell you everything. And then the only thing they'll leave out is how much it's going to cost you. So are these five dollar per hour VAs real or not? And how much is it going to cost you? And you guys are probably equating cost to a monetary number, right? How much is it going to cost me? Right. But but I, I mean, I mean, in the totality of that phrase, how much is it going to cost you? So are five dollar per hour VAs real? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes, every day of the week, including Sundays. And I wasn't really a believer. I was like, there's no way I can get a quality $5 VA, right? I mean, it's it's not they're not out there. It's not real. Find them. Bring them to me, please. Bring them to me. Um, I was at lunch the other day with an investor, and he was telling me how he was pulling his his pre-foreclosure list. And I was like, oh. I was like, that's really old school, man. Like, I just pay for it. And he was like, yeah, but I'd, I'd rather just pay my VA to scrub it. I was like, well, I guess that makes sense. How much are you paying your VA? He was like, $3. I was like, swear. He was like, $3, bro. I was like, oh my goodness. And how, how are you, how do you like their, their work and what they're doing for you? And he was like, yeah, you know, I don't remember if it was a, a woman or a man, but I was like, yeah, they're, they're pretty good and, you know, all this stuff. And, pretty communicative and they want to work full time and he doesn't, he doesn't have enough work for this VA to work full time, but he just tosses the VA money because it's $3 an hour. And I'm just like, wow, that's, that's amazing. Right. Um, I do have a VA that, um, I pay $4 an hour. That's the lowest I've personally gotten a VA and I still have that VA to this day. Um, but let's, let's talk about what this sum means to the VA because, there's something called geo arbitrage, and I talk about it a lot on different episodes. And geo arbitrage is just the power, the value of a single dollar here in the U.S. and how it stretches so much further in a third world country. Right. You know, we mostly equate geo arbitrage, at least I do, to like when I go to Mexico or when I go to one of these third world countries and I'm able to stretch the value of a dollar. Right. I'm buying 20 cent tacos. Right. It's just oh. and mind you, 20 cent tacos are the best tacos. Argue with me if you want. But, you know, stretching the value of a dollar and, you know, you pay them. Right. And if you're going to a tourist part of Mexico, like you're you're going to pay like pretty much U.S. rights. Right. But if you're actually like in the city, if you're with the locals. Right. I mean, literally, like you're paying 20, 30 cents for a taco. It's crazy. <laughs> it's crazy. Um, but anyways, so geo arbitrage. Right. And, and, and the value of that dollar in, in their hands. Right. In a local's hand. Man, it means so much to them. Because it's worth so much more. It's worth so much more. So what you're taking for granted is, oh, like I'm being cheap or I'm getting a $5 VA or this and that. Or am I, you know, is this morally right? Like, why, like, why am I paying them dirt cheap? It, it, it doesn't equate to the same thing in their country. It equates to far more money. Okay. So that's the first thing. The second thing is this. You can find $5 VAs every day of the week, but understand that if a VA, and this is my personal experience, so I don't know about anybody else, but understand if a VA 
is charging $5 an hour, nine times out of 10, it's not going to be a good VA. I didn't say 10 times out of 10. I said nine times out of 10, right? There are the select few and I have a few and you know, my investor friend I met with lunch with the other day, he has one, right? So there, there are some. And in, in, that, in that 10% of VAs, half of them can and may have experience in what you need them to do. But the other half of them, the whole reason why they're $5 in the first place is because they're young maybe and they're willing and ready to learn, right? Some people just go to, you know, some of these sites and type in, you know, experienced VA and they put their, you know, criteria to $5 or less or whatever the case may be. And they try to see if they could find some magic. Doesn't, doesn't always equate that way, right? The more experience, at least right now in 2021, the experienced VAs and cold calling, they want nine, 10, sometimes 12, $15 an hour. And I'm talking about Filipino VAs, right? They, they, they're starting to understand their worth from the U.S. point of view. So they're, they're, I mean, naturally they're increasing their rate as they should. Inexperienced VAs, they're going to, they're, they're, they're going to charge you $5. But the key to hiring a $5 VA is to bring them into the family. It's to teach them. It's to cultivate their experience, right? It's like you, when you started out working at the age of 16, somebody took a chance on you. You had no prior experience, but somebody said, Hey, I see something in you. You can flip burgers really, really well. That, that, that hand to eye, you know, coordination is, is key, right? So ultimately, you're giving somebody a chance, especially around that price range. If you, even just bumping up to $6 an hour, you're going to get some pretty experienced VAs. And experience is not always a good thing, by the way, right? I'd rather train somebody a lot of the times these days. This is just through experience, right? I'd rather train somebody who knows nothing, who has none of the bad habits than to have an experienced VA who doesn't respond on time to my sellers because that's what they did in the last business that they were in, right? So do $5 power VAs exist? Heck yeah. Can you find some really good ones? Yep. Is it going to take you a long time? Probably. Is it going to be a hard, arduous search? Probably. The better, easier route, if you want a $5 VA, is to look for qualities in that VA that you want rather than skill sets. Or just hit me up and I got you. On the low, though. So with that as the tip of the week, let's get to the show. And now your feature presentation. For those of you who don't know, Alicia was on episode 186 of the Before the Millions podcast, and she absolutely crushed it. I mean, by the end of the episode, I was on the edge of my seat saying, we need more. We need more. <laughs> we could have kept talking for hours, couldn't we, Darrell? <laughs> Absolutely. It was it, it was such a breath of fresh air because I went through a lot of the troubles that Alicia went through, especially when it comes to finding help, finding good help. But if you have a list of the episode, make sure you go back and list the episode. I mean, we talked about a ton of different things. Alicia's based out of Australia, but she invests in the US. That in itself is, is, is crazy to me. Uh, <laughs> she she's done deals from all types of places. I mean, I'm talking about about like Croatia, France. I mean, she, she's a deal, a walking deal making machine. But today we're going to get super specific. We're going to get nosy a little bit into one small area of her business. So again, if you haven't listened to her entire Before the Millions journey, go over and listen to episode 186. Today, we're going to fast track all of that. I want to talk about a specific area. We're going to talk about the people behind the team. 
right? Because of, of course we always see Alicia, right? She's she's everywhere, like she's the face of the business. But but I I, I, I bargain to say that Alicia's not doing all of the work. Alicia, are you oh, doing all the work? Oh no, <laughs> definitely not. And I'll, I'll just come back to one thing you just mentioned a few seconds ago. So today we're going to talk about one small thing. It's not small. Uh, I think having a team to help you with the business is big. And, uh, and it's big on a number of levels because it's big on cost, but it's big on management and it's big on time to make sure that you, know, you have things set up correctly. So I'm really happy that we left off on that last episode with talking about resources and how you can't really do this business all on your own. And uh, I'm really excited today to, to share some of the strategies that we use to help help us run our business with our, with our people. Absolutely. So let's do a little bit of a time machine take back as we normally do. But I'm going <laughs> to ask you a specific question for this one. Now, you you started your business again and you realized early on that you were going to need a team. And obviously, your team didn't start with a virtual assistant, which is what we're talking about today, our VAs. And I'm mm-hmm. surprised. I want to see what you call them. But before that, you obviously needed, you know, maybe contractors and maybe a lender and, you know, boots on the ground. You may have needed a realtor. And, you know, we talk yep. about, you know, needing those team members on a lot of different episodes. But we want to talk about something so specific today. When did you first realize, Alicia? that you may need some more help that was outside of another person's profession, like a, a real estate agent or, you know, an attorney. Like when did you realize you needed somebody in-house to help you with everything? Yeah, I think that tipping point was when I realized that I was spending more time on the phone with our buyers and our sellers than what I was focusing on the operational side of our business and making sure that our business was running efficiently. And I think that that point in time is you've got to always ask yourself, you know, what is your time worth? And where is your time best spent? Because everybody in a business has a certain skill set. So I have certain skill sets that are really valuable in our business. And my partner, Matthew, has got certain skill sets that are really valuable in our business. But we're both also valuable on the phone with buyers and sellers, but that's not where our time is best spent. And when you're thinking about where is my time best spent, you've also got to ask yourself, what are the things that are highly trainable that I can train somebody else up to do that is a a transferable skill that allows me to be my best self as well? Now, here's the catch-22, Dara, is that I actually really love being on the phone with buyers and sellers, but it wasn't the the thing that was going to grow our business to where it needed to be. So it was probably about six to eight months into the business that I said, I need a salesperson and I really need a a salesperson. So we don't call our team virtual assistants, by the way, just to come back to that point. Um, They're our customer service team. And they've been with us now for, uh, some of them have been with us close on two years. Um, Some have been with us for over a year, but, you know, a longer standing one, I think is 14 months at this stage. Um, That's like... that's like dog years when it comes to virtual yeah. assistants. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so so they're like family to us and um and we we love them dearly. But I think it was that whole recognition that especially being here in Australia uh, and having a business in the states that people wanted to speak to me when I was sleeping and and that was often looking like, for like me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right, you get it. So it was that whole how do we ensure that um, that we've got the right people in the right jobs, focused on the right things at the right time. Right. Um, and that was the the first first call that we made was to get ourselves a salesperson. Uh, I'm, I'm, um, I'm, so that's where we started. I'm curious because, you know, one of the things that I tend to tell people to drop last is the sales aspect of their business, right? Like getting on the phone and closing a deal. So when you thought of that as one of the first things you wanted to drop, what was your mindset? What was the plan? And what what did you 
um, and to, still to this day, probably, what did you believe was a better use of your time? Yeah, yeah, good. So I'll start off with the first part of that, which is why did we decide to go with the salesperson first? This business is all about relationships. And um, and I think if we can start nurturing those relationships sooner versus later. So what I mean by that is if a seller needs to speak to someone or a buyer needs to speak to someone, they should be able to get somebody on the phone when it suits them. Um, and that's normally when I was sleeping. So, you know, starting that relationship early with our buyers and our sellers is really critical. If, if, it's, if it's the right time for them to get on the phone and ask about a property, whether they're selling or buying, um, then we need someone on the end of that phone to service that. And I think sometimes, and I'll go through a model uh, in a moment, um, Dare, that I use with, uh, with my team as well. But one of the things was also making sure that I set the boundaries for our salesperson. So in the recruiting of our salesperson, the training of our salesperson and then managing them on a day-to-day basis, they knew the boundaries that they could operate within. They also then knew when things needed to be escalated to me and what things needed to be escalated to me. So I didn't take myself out of the picture entirely. It was more about how can I get through the, the bulk of calls and transactional type conversations and then when key decisions need to be made, how can I set up systems and processes to allow me to do that really easily and also give that back to my, my salesperson to say, here's the decision on this one, go for it. So, um, so I think sometimes, you know, thinking about where, where things are needed in your business the most and what's going to service your, your pipeline, your sellers and your buyers the most and taking you out of the picture because you need to also have the mindset that your business needs to, to eventually operate without you um, so that you can take a vacation, you can take some time out. You know, you, if you want to sell your business, for example, as well, you need to be able to sell it without you. So you you mentioned earlier, you know, I'm the face of the business. Yes, I am. And I still get on the phone with buyers and sellers these days, but I probably end up talking to buyers and sellers. I might do anywhere between, say, two to five phone calls a week. That's it. (laughs) Um, And then coming back to the second part of your question, which is where is my time best spent? So my background, if you remember on our first call that we did, my background is actually in organizational development, um, training and, uh, you know, team management and leadership. So my best time is actually used managing our relationships for our business. And that's with those other parties that you mentioned. So with our title company, with our realtor, with our attorney, um, with managing the team on a day-to-day basis. My time is best spent managing that at a higher level and kind of orchestrating then what needs to happen when um, and then looking after operations. So the operational side of our business, making sure our systems and our processes are working really smoothly and working with my partner, Matt, because his background is in technology um, on really always improving how we do things so that it can operate while we're sleeping. I love it. You know, I thought we're 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 a little bit far apart when I when I first uh, a- asked this question, but we're a lot closer together than I than I thought because you know, one thing I always tell my audience is that we need to always put ourselves first, right? And when we do that, we're able to make clear decisions because mm. again, when you think about your specific situation, right? You live all the way in Australia. Your time zone is completely different. 
Right. So and the we, notion- most of the business we do is on the East Coast, right? So that makes it even oh. worse. That's four, 14 hours difference at this time, at I, this uh, time of year. <laughs> I, I couldn't even imagine it. And, and, and again, you want to you wanna be a customer-facing, customer-serving customer customer business. And if you're not able to talk to your customers when they want to talk, then yes, leads fall down the drain. So when it comes to your business, you want to have that, that front-facing, that salesperson person actually be there and be available for the call. So that makes total Absolutely. sense. And yeah. then a little bit how we're similar is that I always have, let's say whatever form of marketing that we're doing, whether it's postcards or text messages or cold calling, like there's always a, a buffer between the actual initial calls and then when I actually finally talk to the seller, right? So yeah. even though um, even though I have call, I have the VAs kind of vet like the situation and kind of figure out what's going on, I'm still the one closing the deals. So ultimately, um, going back to the point, it's just like, yeah, you're 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 giving up sales, but you're giving up sales in a way that still allows you to be mobile, still allows you to close deals, still allows you to. I mean, you're still talking to sellers, right? But it's much more much much further in the process. So I like that. Yeah. Yeah, let's let, let's 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 you know take it back a little bit. I wanna I wanna build out this 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 um this this point in your business because again you started out with one person. Now you got a, a team of five people. I mean, again, I told you before the call. I got a team of I got I, got, I have three virtual assistants, but two in the real estate business, one in the coaching business, and I'm just like, oh my goodness! Like if I had five, like we'd be doing this and this and this. Like so so <laughs> so, so so your first person was was a salesperson. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, walk me through, and do you still have that person on the team to, to this day? No, we don't. Funnily enough, um, we we don't. So he he was my learning with, with this one, and uh, and the salesperson that we hired was awesome. You and I spoke before about hire for attitude, train for skill. So we're always looking for people that have a certain attitude, value set, way of working that that really is going to fit in with our team. They don't have to have a real estate background because we can teach all that stuff. Mm -hmm. Because the realization for me is I don't have a real estate background. So four years ago, I didn't know the first thing about wholesaling properties and, you know, doing all all the things that we do today. The word seller finance wasn't even in my vocabulary four years ago, but now it is because of training and and learning and, and continually applying things. So we always have the approach of hire the right person and then train them with what they need to know and make sure you've got really good systems, processes, training resources to set them up for success. So, but there are times that that can go, you know, that can lean too much towards one direction. So this particular person that we hired was an absolute gun on the phone. They love talking to people because that's what we wanted but they were really bad on attention to detail and following, you know, steps and processes. So they'd have all these great conversations, but then we'd go in and and our CRM wasn't updated or, you know, the attention to detail around things wasn't there and things would slip through the cracks. So after about six months, we had to let that person go. But I loved that that enabled us when we um, then recruited our current team. So our current team is now, as I said, they've been with us for quite some time. Um, They're like family, (laughs) which is wonderful. But when it came to then um, replacing that person, we thought, let's not find a salesperson as such. Let's actually look for some really good customer service people that have the confidence and the ability to know how to close, but also know when things get to a certain point that they escalate to me, but also have the attitude and the aptitude of attention to detail. Because in this business, when you've got systems and processes and everyone's working off a, a CRM that you know, if you don't put something in and the next person picks up the phone and that information isn't there, we're going to lose opportunities. So looking for that different uh, attitude set and that different value system around the need for excellence and the need for 
um, you know, striving for high performance and things like that, they were the different things that we then went to recruit for. And we found that in, in our current team, which is great. So that leads me to my next question, which is really the first basis of building out our team. When we think about the entire hiring process, one, it's very daunting. Like, I'm going to admit that. Two, it's very time consuming for a lot of the wrong people. So one thing that I started to do later on in my hiring process was I made my I don't know what to call it, a bio, a statement, whatever it is to to tell the people, hey, I'm I'm looking for work. I make that super specific and I made sure I was clear on this is what I want and this is what I don't want. Right. And yet and still you still have people that don't even read it. Right. I even have stuff in in, in there that says I'm giving away all my secrets, but this is all good stuff. I even have stuff in there <laughs> that says title your cover letter this to let me know that you've read all the way to the bottom. And 50 percent of people, people still don't <laughs> <laughs> like it's just. Out it's a great world. way to shortlist, isn't it? Because then it's like, okay, well, you're not going through because you clearly can't read properly. <laughs> right, right. So just just these little things. But how do you go from I want this certain skill set to I want these qualities of a person? And how do you portray that in your marketing? So let's talk yeah. a little bit more about the hiring process and what that looks sure. like. Sure. Sure. So we we are. Uh, I guess the other thing is um, for the listeners as well. I, I have a background. I had 17 years in human resources and organisational development. So recruitment was something that I'd done a lot of, uh, and I think that put us in a good position then when it came to you know finding people for our business. So first of all, job description. Always make sure that your job That's description. That's the word I'm looking did. for. A job. Yeah, description. job description <laughs> is is super clear um, on on a number of things. So at a high level, what is the job? You know. How do we sell that in inverted commas to the recipient of uh, who might be looking for work so that it sounds attractive enough to them as well so that you go, are you attracted to the role? Second thing is, what are the actual key responsibilities and where do they start and where do they stop? Because I think sometimes being really clear on what's not part of the role is also um, something that you need to spell out. Then it's what are the key, you know, key criteria and skill set that we need for that? Um, and, and that's going to be the selection criteria that we use. And then what are the different sort of values that, that we need around that? So things like, you know, um, attention to detail, that's not necessarily a skill set, that's a value. Um, having a, a high quality uh, for excellence, again, that's not a skill set, that's a value. So people intrinsically have those things in them as opposed to a skill set, which is, you know, a skill set might be I'm great at Excel uh, or I'm great at closing on, on the call. They're the things that you can train for, but but aptitude and uh, and attitude are, are things that you often can't. And then, um, so we make sure that that's super clear, first of all. Our shortlisting process, so we, we've done two things as well in our business. One, I've gone direct to market myself and done the recruitment. And two, we've gone uh, to an agency and actually said, go and find us some resources. Both of them have merits and uh, and pros and cons, um, but let's just use the example of you know going out to market ourselves. So, as I think that's probably the most beneficial thing, and that's what you've also done, uh, Dare. So when we go out, we we obviously have the the job description, we have the criteria, and then when people are filling in their application to come back to us, they have to give us certain things in that criteria. If they don't, they don't even get through to shortlist number one. So shortlist number one is what does the application look like? And am I seeing things in that application like the attention to detail? You know, have they spell checked? <laughs> um, have they have they read the the position description? And am I getting that in their cover letter and their um, and their their resume as well? So once we go through that shortlisting, that which is great. The second thing is um, 
I actually get my existing team members involved in the recruitment. So what I did for one of our, our roles is the first uh, element of um, hiring them is I had one of our current team members do a 15-minute, for those that got through shortlist one, a quick 15-minute phone interview, uh, which was just to ask some basic questions that, that were kind of yes or no answers uh, and find out a little bit more about that person. And if they met that criteria, then they got through to an interview with me. Um, secondary to that, uh, we, we also get them to submit a DISC profile. So DISC is a, a really good tool. There's some really fantastic free online resources that look at, um, you know, the, the different ways of working and, and the attitudes of people and their, their different styles of working, if you like, as well. And DISC is a great one. So DISC has a profile in it that, that allows you to really see what's the approach that this person takes to work. You know, D is dominance, for example. So if someone's really high on D, they're less likely, they're going to be great at sales, by the way, because they will dominate the conversation and, and take over, but they're probably going to be less, this was our first salesperson, less attention to detail, less of a team player because it's mainly about them. Um, the I is all about team, you know, they, they like to work with and through others. The S is about steadiness, which is don't like change, like things to be simple. So if you, your business is growing and you know that you're going to be constantly changing, someone with a high S probably isn't for you because they'll freak out every time stuff changes too much. And C is for conscientiousness, which is about that attention to detail, liking things to be right and neat, um, et cetera, et cetera. So making them do a profile to really step back and go, what's this person's approach to work? And does that fit with how we want our, our team to run as well? And then thirdly to that is getting on and doing an interview. And I make sure that I've got my interview questions already mapped out. I have my interview questions weighted. So I put more emphasis on some questions as opposed to others. Um, and I go through and, and rank them all and put them all on a spreadsheet afterwards. I know this sounds very labor intensive and it is because you've got to get it right. Because when you don't get it right, you end up having to do the whole process all over again. So, um, and even when I go to an agency, I still go through the same processes, but I just get them to do some of the grunt work for me. I love it. Yeah, um, I have, this has been such a wealth of information already. There's so many different directions I want to go in. I have so many notes written down. I'm just like, oh, where do I go? Because I want to know everything. <laughs> um, but I was going to touch on the agency aspect of things as well, because I wanted you to con con compare and contrast and just for just really quick for the listeners who do want to go through an agency, what does that look like? Um, is the agency getting like um, and as far as fees go, is the agency getting like an extra dollar on top of, you know, whatever the charges per hour or is the agency getting a flat free up front and then finding you your, your virtual assistant? How how is the, how is it structured and then what uh, services are they providing? Yeah, so I've actually used both. So there's um, there's a few of our team members are actually hired through an agency, um, and that is a so our our team gets a certain amount per hour, and then the agency also gets paid a certain amount per hour as well. What's great about that is from a management perspective, if the if our team members not working out and they need to be replaced, the agency manages all of that. They manage their leave. They manage any performance issues. Um, so all of those things are easy but it does cost you about twice as much. So people need to keep that in mind that going to an agency becomes easier, but instead of maybe $5 an hour, you'll be paying 10. Yeah. Um, so you've got to ask yourself again, where is my time best spent? And early on, that's why I went through an agency because I said, I, I actually need some help early on to set this up, manage it, 
know, if it doesn't go right, I want someone to to help me out to to fix that, etc. Uh, I've also done the recruitment myself for some of our team members. And thirdly, there's another option out there. I'm just going to try and find what the the company is called again. But there's companies out there that will actually help you do the advertising and um, putting your job out in front of the right people. And it's a once-off fee. And then all of those leads come through to you to to manage. So they basically oh. set up the the marketing of of the job, um, and and the I guess the criteria of of what you need for that job and making sure the right people. So keywords in their resume, for example, are already looked at, and only those people that meet that keyword criteria come through to you. Um, and we use that for one of our other salespeople in one of our other businesses, and that works really well. Um, so yeah. so there's other there's lots of different. What's options the name, what's out the name there. of that company? I'm going to find it for you. Give me uh, yes, one please. second I and I, I will find yeah, it. Ahead. I just need to go into our, our salesperson folder here. Absolutely. And I will put, uh, I will put that in the show notes for, for all the listeners to, to grab for sure if you guys want to go through an agency. And like Alicia said, there are two ways that you can pay an agency. It's either by the hour, you know, on top of the fee, which is, you know, if your VAs are charging, you know, $6 or they want $6 and the agency may say, Hey, it's $10, you know, per hour. And then they yeah. take their cut and they, but they also manage the payroll. They manage the the scheduling of VAs. If you know, a VA is, is no longer a great fit. So uh, there's a little bit of a give and take. And then you have, there like is. you said, you have the agencies that are actually just like, Hey, upfront fee, this is all the services that we're going to provide. You handle the rest. And you found that company. I, I did. So it's called Time to Hire. Oh, Time to Hire. They grabbed the They really are good based URL. in the US. Uh, and um, yeah, <laughs> and, uh, and they only do so much, but it's about getting you started and making sure that the right leads come through to you that, that meet certain criteria and then we handled the rest. Um, so so that, that was good just to tap into the right market um, because that's when we were looking for a specific US-based salesperson for our marketing business. Um, and that worked really, really well. And Joey's been with us now for a, a new, coming on 18 months, I think, and, and she's going great. So, again, it. you know, it's just uh, there's lots of different things out there. I think it's just a case of people thinking, well, how, how much time am I willing to put into this? How much do I want to spend? Um, and what do I want to do to manage this person ongoing? I think there are three critical questions to always ask yourself so that you know what's the best route to, to take. So I want to talk about time here shortly. But first, I want to debunk a myth really, really quick. I often get people, and Alicia, you may get these questions as well. Right? There's just nobody that's going to accept $5 an hour. There, those people don't exist anymore. The market has moved past that. The market has moved on. We are in a hot economy. People are looking for much, much more money than that. Is it still possible in this world to get a $5 per hour VA, Alicia? Tell me yep. yes or no. <laughs> yes, it is. Absolutely. And there are some good ones out there. Can I add to that myth? I think uh, there's a, another myth out there that people go, Offshore resources, no, we don't want to use them because, you know, our buyers and our sellers will be able to tell from their accent and it, it'll, it'll, it's just bad. Again, I will want to dispel that myth. Our, our team members are all based in the Philippines, except for our US salesperson who's based um, in, uh, in New York. She's awesome. Uh, but she's for a different business. That, that's separate. But for all of our real estate business, all of our customer service people are based in the Philippines. One thing that I wanted to make sure that that was part of the the recruitment process is they needed to have an English proficiency level written and spoken that was quite high. So they they actually sound great. They they do yeah. have an accent, but you know what? So do I. Right. And I think we, we live do. in a world these days that um, that is very multicultural and very diverse. And 
every now and then, I'm probably talking on a very rare rare occasion, uh, that they get asked, you know, where are you based? And my team is honest. They say we're actually a global team. So we've got our owners are based in Australia. We've got our team members based on the ground in the US, which we do. And uh, and we are based uh, overseas. But, you know, we always here. We're always here to take your call 24-7. And that's, that's the main focus. So I think part of their role is often educating people on the myth that still exists around offshore resources. So that aside, um, $5 an hour resources still do exist. But here's the but. Mm-hmm. The big but. <laughs> <laughs> Why we have kept our team for so long is that we involve them in quite a generous bonus structure in our business. So yes, they're paid a $5 an hour, but you've also got to ask yourself if that's what it takes just to get the job done and and do well, what is it going to take to get them to keep working for us and put us as the priority? And that's making them a part of the rewards of your business as well. So separate to what they get paid, we have quite a structured bonus system um, that really ensures that they get rewarded for almost feeling like they're a part owner of the business because the mindset that I have with our customer service team is make decisions like you own this business. Yeah. Don't make decisions just because the systems and process say do this, do this, do this. You know, the more proficient you get in our in our business, the more proficient you get in the knowledge of the deals that we do and how we do them. You know, I now see my team come to me and they make decisions and they they come to me and say, you know, I, I've done this, is that okay? I'm like, absolutely great decision I would have done the same and if they come to me with problems one of the first things I say to them is what do you think you should do no it's um comes back to a a bit of a model that I use with uh setting up a few things with the team and if we have time I'll take you through that yeah absolutely so I want five dollar resources definitely still out there but you've got to also say how do I make sure that I keep rewarding that person for good for a good job done so that I can keep that resource (laughs) right right so I want to I want to talk about this model that you want to tell that you want to share but before that but while you're while you're still on the prices subject let's close that what what is what is this bonus structure what does it look like and even if it's from a high level overview I want again this is something that I want to implement in my business I want our listeners to take and be like okay well I can do this now I can keep more of my VAs because again, this is another pain point. Keeping your VAs because I guarantee you they're constantly looking for higher paying jobs. So what does that bonus structure look like? Yep. So what it looks like is they get uh, a share of profit in a deal. So that means that when when we finally close on a deal, and as we know, when we close on a deal, there's been processes that we've gone through to acquire that deal. So they've been speaking with sellers to get those deals under contract. Then we advertise and we're now doing the disposition, dealing with with buyers on that deal. Uh, Then some of our our team members are now getting involved in the escrow process as well. So we're training them up on how to help us manage escrow. And um, so they they have touch points throughout the entire value chain of the deal. So when the deal closes, depending upon the deal value, so we have a a sliding scale of if it's between, say, 5 to 10,000, 10 to 20, 20 to 50, 50 to 100, 100 to 200, 200 and above. Depending upon the value of wow. that deal, um, they then have a, a profit share. So there's a certain amount that they get paid, a certain bonus um, for each of those deals closed. See, and that's we good pay to it. know because I have I have yeah. a flat I have a flat fee, and I never thought, hey, let's do a sliding scale. That would make a lot more sense. I like that. Yeah, a lot. And, and a sliding scale. Uh, the way that we put it too is we we say to them that doesn't mean that a ten thousand dollar deal is any less important than a hundred thousand dollar deal. It's not. They're all important. Um, but it just means that we're managing the the money side of the business a bit smarter. 
Uh, And it also means that they get excited when a big deal comes through and they get super, super pumped to find buyers for that deal and and, um, really want to nurture that deal through because they know what's at the end of it for them. We pay those bonuses monthly. So when the month closes, we run a report on everything that's closed that month and, uh, and they all get paid. I love that. Which is super awesome because that motivates them, you know, that they know that if if it's coming to the last week of the month and we've got a few buyers left and no one's been locked in for that, they'll get on the phone and say, hey, we know you inquired about that property last month. We're coming towards the end of the month and we're, we're happy to offer you another quick discount on the property. Are you in? So, you know, That's that beautiful. really motivates them to to want to get those deals closed. Yeah. Is there, are there any other touch points for bonuses? Other than on our our bonus uh, scheme, there's a a whole bunch of terms and conditions in the bonus structure, uh, and that is that they must be with us for a minimum three months before they're eligible for bonuses, uh, and they must have worked on that deal in some way, shape, or form. So they don't just get it if they haven't, you know, been an active team member. Um, And uh, and there's some some SLAs in there, what we call, you know, service-level agreements, which is basically, you know, them doing their work in a structured way that is efficient and effective and them making sure that they're performing at a certain level because if they're underperforming uh, and things aren't getting done and they're slipping through the cracks, they're not eligible for bonuses. So we're trying to manage um, the the payout versus performance. Um, before we get continue down this VA track, this is super amazing. And I want to talk about this model that you have next. But before that, let's get back into your story a little bit more. And when you hired your first VA, was there personally, was there like a, a, a not even like a sense of gratitude or achievement, but more of like a sense of like, I have like my time back. Like, was there like a, um, a gratifying <laughs> feeling for you to be like, man, like white lifted off my shoulder? Like, was there something like that? Yeah, I'd say there was, but it wasn't when we first recruited them. It was at the point in time after a couple of months where I felt assured uh, that the team kind of knew what they were doing so I could step away a bit because early on, you're still in there with them. Right. You, know, you can't just expect that you're going to hire someone and within a week they're bang, they're up to speed and they're they're working how you want them to work. It takes time and it takes continual training and continual feedback um, and, you know, monitoring of things and, and really getting in there and being with them because that's also part of the relationship as well, that giving them the resources that they know that you've got their back so that they can get on and get the job done. But you're also constantly giving them that, that feedback and reassurance on how they're doing things so that they know they're on the right track because it's about confidence building. You've got to get that confidence to the point on two levels, getting them confident but giving yourself the confidence that you can step away from that task or that activity now because you know it's being done. So that that feeling of I can step away now and give myself back some time doesn't happen instantaneously. It does take, you know, in some instances, depending on the role, it can take a couple of months to get to that stage. Absolutely. And, And that's the reality of it. But, yes, I did have that moment, but here's the thing with people like you and I we tend to find ways very, very quickly to fill that to fill, time. To fill it up. <laughs> to fill it up. Absolutely. So so tell me this, Alicia. When it comes to the the time, like obviously, yes, there's a time investment in hiring your virtual assistant. Um, but what most people are actually scared of, right? I'm actually most scared of the time investment. I told you that before the call. Like that's what like that's what hurts the most when when you know I have to find a new VA. It's just the two weeks, three months, whatever mm. it is, it's just that time investment. But most people are worried about the financial investment, right? And how do they make it make sense? And I've talked a few times on the on the podcast how 
it, it's far more beneficial, even if you're not there yet, to, to, to have somebody that's able to do these things and you focus on the on the bigger and better tasks, the ones that yep. you know are high revenue uh, achieving tasks. But again, not everybody sees it that way, right? So when no, we talk, I, I completely agree. Yeah. When, when we talk about the fact that um, we need virtual assistance or we need assistance in general, right? It can come at different stages for different people. I want to hear what your thoughts are as far as your advice for maybe that new entrepreneur who doesn't, who hasn't yet done a deal yet. Is it time for them to get a VA or should they wait till they've done a few deals? They, they you know, they forgot their first $10,000 check and now it's time to reinvest back in the business. Yeah. Like what's your philosophy? Yeah. I think my philosophy, uh, first of all, my philosophy is, is not necessarily money driven. Um, that that's an end result of things, right? But but I think the first and foremost, it's about asking yourself as I come back in the beginning, where's my time best spent? The second thing though is, do I know my own business inside and out so that I can train somebody up on how I want to do things? One of the fatal mistakes I think I see people make, Deray, in, in this industry is they look at the the tasks across their business and go, well, I don't like doing that. I'll outsource that to someone. But not liking doing something isn't the reason to outsource it. You need to know how to do that thing inside out, upside down, back to front, so that you can then manage the performance of somebody else to do that task. So I think sometimes looking at what you outsource and when you outsource, it needs to be done at a point in time that you know exactly what good looks like and how you want your business to run. Mm-hmm. So I definitely say don't start looking for outsourcing tasks and outcomes and, and different things when you're early on in your investing game. Get into the game to the point that you know how it's played, you know how you want to play it, you know, you know how you want your acquisitions pipeline to run and all the different tasks and activities in there, you know how you want your buyer's pipeline to run when you're doing dispositions and all the tasks and activities in there. So you need to know everything quite intricately because that also comes back to when you go out to recruit and find someone, you need to be able to explain to that person exactly what it is that you want them to do. And I see that happen time and time again that people go, um, even if if it's not a, a permanent team member, they say, I just want to find someone to do my list cleansing for me. Okay, well, that's great. But do you know how to do it yourself so that when you get that list back, you know what good looks like? Because if you can't define what good looks like, you're not ready to get somebody else to do it. Yeah. I often use the example of cold calling. Like when you, you know, we listen to our VA's cold calls and we, we grade them and we, we come back and tell them what we can improve on, but there's literally no way you can do that. And then it goes to another thing with agencies, right? I mean, you, you get an agency that tells you, Hey, we're going to give you our best VA and they give you what may, may maybe looks like their best VA and you, they start working with you. And this hasn't happened to me, but I, I have stories where they give you mm. what, what looks like their best VA. They start working with you and you're not getting resu- the results that you want. You're not getting, you know, two leads an hour. You're not getting two leads a week, right? You're, you're just like the VA is not doing what they need to do. But on your end, because you've never done that work before, you have no idea how to help that VA. Even if that VA is bright and amazing at what they do, it's your yeah. system and your processes that they're following. And obviously exactly. something's going wrong that you can't pinpoint. So I, oh, exactly. Yeah, the experience, the experience is, is major, major. Yeah, and the mi- the mindset that I think um, people need to have with virtual resources is not how do I get rid of that task because that's just pushing the the problem somewhere else. It's it should be how do I set that person up for success? Yeah. So if I'm going to hire someone, how do I as the business owner set that person as that virtual assistant up to be successful? Because if they're not successful, I'm not successful. 
So if you come at that mindset, how do I set that person up for success? If you ask yourself that question, then you've got to make sure, okay, my training needs to be really, really good. I need to have everything written down. I need to have all the steps outlined. I need to be able to tell them what what to do if they if they come across a problem, you know, all of those things need to be outlined and defined. And when they're not, this is where I see a lot of virtual assistants and I really feel for a lot of them out there, they get blamed for when something goes wrong. And actually it should be the business owner that gets blamed. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. You're, I always I always say your business is just a reflection of yourself. Whatever's yeah, going on totally. in your business, it's literally a reflection of what you have going on. And if you take yep. that onus, you can change it. You can fix it. Yep. But if you dish out the onus and the 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 um the problem to someone else, I mean, you have no power, no authority. Just, you're just you, passing the problem. <laughs> right. Absolutely. I love that. Let Let's talk about this model that you have, Alicia. I want to first. Do you have a name for the model? And then let's talk about. I do. Yeah. What What's I this do. model? And it's my It's my own model. Um. So it, it's nothing that anybody will find out there. But I call it the the raft B. Um, and if you think of like the safety raft, uh, you know, this is like raft B, not raft A, it's raft B. <laughs> I like it. And, and there's really five key things, five principles, if you like, that I go by in, um, in our team. And the first one is relationships. So that's also, you know, making sure that we don't treat our VAs like a VA. We celebrate their birthdays. We know their children's names. You know, we, we know what's going on in their lives and we have a, a relationship with them that is is quite intimate to some degree as well. And I think if you can bring people into the fold of, of your life and treat them like not just a team member, but, you know, a bit more than that, um, then then you create that supportive environment. So the relationship side for me is, is the first one. And it's not just how I create those connections and relationships with my team, but how I also introduce my team to other people in my network and the other relationships I have to help them grow as well. And when you've got the right relationships in place, you end up with that Velcro factor that makes it quite hard for someone to pull away. (laughs) So first thing is building those relationships with the team. So that's the first. uh, uh, The next one is around accountability. So I think sometimes um, when we think of the word accountability, it sort of comes back to what we were saying before, Daray, is we can't just pass something off to someone and expect it's going to be done in the same way that we want it done. We need to really define what does accountability look like? who is actually responsible for certain things, but ultimately where does the buck stop with what's, you know, who is accountable for making sure that something is done? And how do you ensure that the team keeps promises on things? One of the the things that I think a lot of people will find out there with, uh, with virtual assistants, depending upon which country they come from, is a lot of them are great at saying yes, but then they don't deliver. Mm. Like, yes, I can do that. that mm. That's great. But then that, tomorrow mm, you're like, okay, well, mm, where is it? And they're like, mm. oh, I'm sorry. And then, then there's a million excuses that come up. We don't have that in our team How? because we drive a, <laughs> we drive accountability really well. So we talk about accountability a lot and we talk about what will happen if that thing doesn't get done. So here's something that I need you to do tomorrow. It's super urgent. If it doesn't get done, here's the impact on X, Y, and Z. And So not a repercussion, but what will happen in the business? Yeah, what will happen in the business? So first of all, it's, it's what will happen in the business because, again, the mindset should be treat this business like it's your own. Right, right. And if that thing doesn't go through and that deal gets impacted, guess what? You don't get a bonus. Okay. So I thought somebody was getting the spanking. More. Never mind. <laughs> no, no, we, we don't, we're not, not, not really big on spankings in our, in our team, but, um, but we are big on one of the, the next things, which is feedback. So accountability, it's really about the, the, the factor that I put in there is do what you say you will do 
And if you don't, make sure that you communicate that in advance. So if I've given something to a team member to do and all of a sudden they can't do it, I don't want to know about it after the fact. I want to know about it before the fact. And creating an environment to let it be okay for them to do that. Now, that takes a little bit of work to get to that stage Mm -hmm. because a lot of them aren't okay with that because it's Mm -hmm. about, you know, saving face and things like that as well. Especially, especially, I mean, I, I, and you know, when it comes to like cultural differences and I don't know how it is out there, but I know that especially with Americans, with Filipino VAs, I know that there's a mate there. It's not, it's not like things are being misunderstood. Things are, or it's not like things are being misconstrued. It's that things are being misunderstood. There's a major cultural difference, right? When it comes to like them always saying yes, that's just out of respect. And yep. you and in in my head, like it's somebody like me, I want you to tell me what's real. I want you to tell me, yeah. can you really do this? But in their head, they have to show respect. So it's not so when in the very beginning, like there's a lot of discord, there's a lot of friction. But if you understand their culture and if you help them understand your culture, you can you can kind of bridge the gap. And that's exactly what what we've done. And that and and that's exactly that that point around accountability is we don't want you to say yes. And particularly when it comes to dealing with our buyers and our sellers, if you don't know the answer, just say to them, I'm really sorry, I don't know the answer to that. Let me go and find that out and I'll call you back. And that's taking on the accountability of you want the outcome to always be a good outcome. So saying yes or or fudging something doesn't actually ever lead to a good outcome, right? (laughs) So it it has taken a while for for culturally for us to get to that stage, but we have now and it's it's really great. But that also means that you need to create a safe space for them to do that. Yeah, um, and that's where being a good leader in your business is is super important. And um, the next element in the model is around feedback. So we have a, a culture of feedback in our team. Um, I get the team to give each other feedback on things. So it's not just feedback from above; it's feedback sideways. You know, if if we're advertising a property and one of them's written the content for it, I'll say to the others, guys, can you do a peer review on this and give some feedback on that? Um, one mm-hmm. of our team members who's more like a team leader. Um, I get her to uh, actually monitor the calls of the team and do coaching calls with them because she's awesome on the phone. So she does the actual coaching calls, not me. Um, So I'm getting them to create this culture with each other where feedback is part of normality. And we have a team meeting every day. We've actually got it in 10 minutes time. So every day we have a team meeting for 30 minutes. And a huge part of that is a training opportunity and feedback. It's not What's the BAU stuff and how do you keep me informed? It's what do you need to escalate? What are you having trouble with? How can we give you feedback on that? And what questions have you got that you're unsure about that we can answer them for you right now? You know, it's that escalation type stuff. So feedback is super important and we have a a culture of feedback being part of, of normal. And that's not just feedback when stuff goes wrong. It's feedback when it goes right as well. It has to be on balance. The the fifth, uh, fourth element is around trust, which is how do you bring your whole self to work without judgment and be okay to be vulnerable in the space that you're in and know that you've got a tribe around you that has your back um, when times get tough? And so, you know, our team's very open with each other with what's going on in their lives. And we've had times, and I'll give you a really beautiful example without opening up too much, but one of our team members was having some pretty tough stuff going on in her family, needed some a couple of days off. The rest of the team all worked overtime to cover her shift without me asking. Wow. And our team covers seven days. So we have them working weekends. Uh, and there was another instance where one of the team members was unwell and I, I was asleep. 
one of the team members was unwell. She messaged the other team. One of them got out of bed and did her shift for her. So, you know, they have each other's backs and I trust them and they trust me. So we have very open conversations about everything. Um, Nothing is off bounds. And and we have this non-judgment culture where if something goes wrong, I'd rather use that as a training opportunity than a discipline opportunity because you need to know that I've got your back. And that also means that I give them a lot of coming back to boundaries, which I mentioned, uh, which I'll mention next. I, they know what what their roles are within a, you know, here's where the role starts, here's where it stops. They have my complete trust to make decisions within that without me. And they've made decisions. They've closed deals for me. They've negotiated, you know, sellers. They've negotiated buyers. They've gotten contracts out without even me knowing about it because wow. I've given them the the ability to do that because the last part of the model is boundaries. So that's the raft and the B is boundaries. And the reason why the B is different is boundaries is around all of what I've just talked about. The boundaries of what what we expect from you, but what we also don't expect from you as well. What are the starts and the stops for your role? What are the expectations so that there are zero assumptions on things? Because when people start to make assumptions about stuff, that's when they're just making up stories. Because an assumption is what we do when we don't know the answer. So having really clearly defined boundaries of even down to our system, we we say with all of these deals we're working on, here's the minimum that we'll go to for that deal, but here's the maximum. You can negotiate anywhere in that because you're the one on the phone having the relationship with the buyer and the seller. So feel free to work with in those boundaries. Anything more than that, come to me on X, Y, and Z. So they they know what they need to do and they know the decision points that need to be made and they've got my trust to just get on and do it. So they feel like they're a real part of the business, which I think is super important. I love it. I love it. Those those five keys in your model are absolutely essential. They're amazing. And as much as, you know, it, it sounds like it pays to have boundaries and have structure and have like, okay, this is where your job ends and, and this is where your job begins. It sounds like you're still doing a little bit of cross training because these um, your your virtual assistants are are taking up for another VA who may be out sick or maybe out of town or whatever the case may be. So it sounds like you're doing a really good job in not only setting boundaries, but also opening them up to some cross training to help them fulfill somebody else's role. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we've now got our team to the stage, uh, Dare, that they all know every single component of how the business runs. Now, there are some people out there who go, oh, that's a risk because maybe they'll take things and run away. No. And if they do, good luck to them. <laughs> but, um, you know, it's going to be hard for them to replicate what we do because we do so much. But um, if you if you are open enough and you don't, I guess if you're open enough and you say, we'll show you everything and we'll teach you everything, they're going to stick with you because they're not going to get that anywhere else. Yeah. Um, and that gives them motivation and it gives them career advancement and it gives them, you know, something to aspire to. Uh, so, so we always look at opportunities for how we can train them more, how we can give them more opportunity. Um, we also, on on average, I would say about 10% of their time is spent on training. Yeah. And that might be me just coming up with a topic this week and saying, guys, we, we've noticed that there's been an increase in people wanting to know about lease purchases. Um, so here's some articles I want you to all go and read and some videos on YouTube I want you to all go and watch come back to me with your top three takeaways and let's talk about them. So, Mm. you know, we're always looking for ways to continually train and and upskill and keep them engaged because they're the ones on the phone to the buyers and sellers at the end of the day, not me. (laughs) 
I love it, man. I, I, that, that last bit of takeaway was just for me alone because that, that really helped. And I never even thought about sending my virtual assistants through my own course. Like, Oh my goodness, I'm going to do that. Why wouldn't you? Yeah, <laughs> I never even thought you? about it. Yeah. I mean, they had, there's a virtual assistant course that they kind of go through, but it's specifically for them. This episode is brought to you by PropStream. Oh, before PropStream, before PropStream, I struggled with subpar list providers that overcharged. Wasted gas going to the county courthouse only for them to run out of CD-ROM copies of this month's liens list. I wrongly estimated repair costs or just simply lacked the access to the MLS that I truly needed to get deals done. I mean, it was a nightmare networking with realtors hoping to get access to their software. To make things worse, I did marketing on a bunch of different platforms, all of which, by the way, came with the monthly costs. And I would grab my CD-ROM, I would head home, I would convert it, I would upload the list to a skip trace service, and then a ringless voicemail service, and then a postcard service, and so on. Wasting hours and missing potential deals. By the time I was finally in a position to talk to a seller, my leads were stale. And I had to start over again since I wasn't able to get real-time updates of properties that sold or were taken off the market. Lots of real estate investors are in this position and lots of real estate investors are losing. Last year, I specifically brought PropStream specialists in-house to revamp our lead generation systems, and it was instantly a game changer. Not only is PropStream one system that houses all my leads and is updated in real time, but this system has MLS-level data, even in non-disclosure states like Texas, where I invest. So now we run our own comps, our own rehab estimates, our own title searches, all of this in one app. Yes, one single app. And here's the kicker. That just scratches the surface of the power of this app. We also generate all of our leads lists with this app, from pre-foreclosures to bankruptcy and tax liens, by by county courthouse. And then once we have those dynamic lists, we can also use PropStream to market to those leads with postcards, email marketing, voice drops, and they even throw in unlimited number of landing pages so that you can have a site up and running in less than three minutes. Obviously, something like this should cost easily hundreds or thousands of dollars, but for less than a hundred dollars a month, you could own the most powerful real estate tool that I've probably ever seen. For the listeners of this show, make sure you head over to beforethemillions.com forward slash deal. That's D-E-A-L, beforethemillions.com forward slash deal for a few dollars off of your monthly subscription. I went from seven different apps to operate my business down to two once I made the switch to PropStream. And more than anything, really, it's provided me and my team with more clarity and peace of mind. That link again is beforethemillions.com forward slash deal to gain access to the all-in-one real estate tool that'll transform your business. Lifestyle Design Acceleration Hacks. Last and final round. Normally, as you know, it's called the Lifestyle Design Acceleration Hacks, where we give our listeners quick hitting hacks to get on their way. We've already recorded that on episode 186. So what we're doing for today is we're doing a quick round of your favorite apps or software or services for the specific things that I'm about to name. Are you ready? I am. Go for it. (laughs) All right. And we're still staying in the same virtual assistant realm, customer service realm, ISA realm, inside sales, Asia, whatever you want to call uh, your help. All right. First one, what is the app software service that you're using to find your virtual assistants? 
Uh, so the the time to hire is is the one I mentioned earlier. So they have some um, some stuff online to, that can help you, and the software that they use is actually going out and putting your ad in front of people. And when people submit their resume, it's electronically doing a word search in their resume to to make sure that the keywords are there. So that's a really good service to use. In terms of apps to find people, that would be the only one. The rest is then uh, going through a recruitment company. Um, and we use for our virtual assistants, we use Rocket Station in uh, in the Philippines. What is it called? Rocket Station. Rocket Station. Okay, got it. Okay, perfect. I love it. All right. What about your app or software or service for paying your VA slash tracking their time? Yep. So um, when it comes to the, the ones that are through an agency, that's all done through them. The ones that are with us, so uh, we, we track their time just on a, a, I know it's really simple, but we just track their time on a Google sheet where they just submit it. Uh, mm-hmm. And then in that Google sheet, I then approve um, on Talk a Talk about trust. I know, right? It's, I and this it. is the thing. It's, um, I, I, I don't want to create that environment where somebody feels they're being watched because the, the actual opposite happens in those environments. When someone feels they're being watched or monitored or scrutinized too much, they actually act in the opposite way of what you want them to. Hmm. So I've got full trust with my team and uh, and I, I can tell how much they're working by the volume of what they're doing. Um, and then they just send me an invoice and I pay them through TransferWise. Okay. I mean, again, I got to take a quick pause because again, mind blown. I think that, you know, I'm super type A and I think about how I operate in my business and how I do things and I'm super meticulous and I want people that work with me to be super meticulous. So when you talked about taking a, a, a disc assessment, I mean, I've taken this, I probably take it like once every two, three years. And I, you know, I, I know and talk to people who take it, but I've never really implemented it, even though I know I should. And now I'm just like, Alicia has me looking to have all my VAs take the disc assessment and specifically look for people who are high C's. Yeah. <laughs> specifically look for people who are high C's. That way I don't have you, to You want a combination about- of like C into I, um, and you, you actually want a bit of, uh, of all of them, to be honest, but there will always be part of a profile that they'll be more um, uh, proficient in than others. So, And again, it, it's about really understanding the job that you need them to do and, and what it is that you want them to, to cover off on in that too. So, you know, different horses for different courses, as we say. I love it. I love <laughs> it. All right. Two more, two more quick apps. Next one is what app or service or app service? app or service are you using to communicate with your virtual assistants? Yep. So we, uh, it's all through our CRM. So our CRM is called uh, Freshworks. Um, and we, we got that because it was highly, um, what's the word I'm looking for here? Highly malleable for us to then design how we wanted the system to work for us. So our CRM is how we communicate with each other. It's even got like a chat function and, and things like that in it. Um, awesome. I use WhatsApp a lot to What's chat that? with my team offline. Uh, so when it's outside of their shift and they, we want to all communicate. Um, but it's all done within our CRM and then daily on a team meeting, which is just on Zoom. Keep it simple. Okay. That was the very last one. What app software or service are you using to teach and train your virtual assistants? Yeah. So there is no app service or software because teaching and training comes person to person. So we jump on Zoom and we talk about anything and everything that they need to have access to. So when it comes to you know information, that can be available through a conversation. It could be a, a system or process that we take them through. It could be a, a YouTube video that we get them to watch. It could be an online training program that I find that I want them all to go through. So we actually found an online training course um, 
it's called Sell Like Crazy through uh, Sabre Subi, who's over here in Australia. And I got the team to all take his course online uh, okay. as part of their training. So, you know, there's, there's different things you can do, but it's, it's all out there. But I don't think it's about looking for the right app to train someone on. It's like, really ask yourself, what do they need to be successful? And how can I help find that and give that to them? I love it, man. Alicia, this has been so impactful, so helpful. I think our listeners have walked away with so much in far, as far as value and I guess to help uh, hire, vet, train, and keep really their virtual assistants. If the listeners want to learn a little bit more about you, if they want to get in contact with you, find out a little bit more about what you got going on, where can they yep. find some of your information once more? Yeah, sure. So they can email me at any any time. I'll give you uh, our, um, I think the same email that we used last time, which is uh, Alicia, A-L-I-C-I-A at superchargedoffers.com. And, uh, and they can email me anytime. Uh, we've also got Alicia at landscouts.com. That's our, our land business. Uh, and the number is 888-538-5478. That will actually go through to one of my sales team and, uh, and they'll pass on the details and I'll be more than happy to Talk to anybody about their business. I love it. Speaking of her sales team, Alicia's sales team is waiting on her right now. Alicia, we thank, you. <laughs> we thank you so much for the extra time. And I really appreciate it. If you guys want to learn more about, you know, supercharged offers and Alicia's land business and everything she has going on, please go back to the episode 186. Alicia, it's been a pleasure. I will talk to you very, very soon. Fantastic. Thank you so much, Sarah. I really appreciate it. <laughs>